Welcome back to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. If you're a new listener, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I do recommend you go back and start listening from the introductory episode. It will help the content make more sense over time. Our usual reminders as we begin, I'm not an expert, just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern findings. And while the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. Lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS, and what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. What works for one may not work for all. All right, last week we continued to talk a bit about the power of being in a flock and having a strong support network, as well as the unique power of having other MS folks in your flock who truly understand the challenges we face. On Saturday, we had our first flock meeting. It was great to meet everyone and see both new and familiar faces. It was so inspiring to hear everyone's stories and how supported they feel by the flock and the other MS groups they are a part of. We discussed marigolds as an example of companion planting, and we also began to dive into the meaty topic of developing a healing orientation through Carol Dweck's mindset work. I hope you continue thinking about that, as we'll be moving on to part two of that discussion together next week. And if you haven't read Mindset yet, consider it. There are even several summary versions that will make it a quicker read available online. On Saturday, we also collaboratively developed our group agreements so that we can ensure our shared space meets everyone's expectations and that we are creating a collaborative environment where we all feel safe being vulnerable with one another. We did introductions and got to learn some positive attributes about each flock member. What a cool group of folks. We spent our time together discussing the concepts addressed in the previous episodes. We shared where we're at in building our flocks, and the group is eager to continue the discussion on mindset in an upcoming episode, as the first one was simply the introduction to the meaty topic, and some listeners, rightfully so, felt it was incomplete. If you'd like to join the flock, you can find us on Patreon to access our group flockings and more great content. Stay tuned at the end for more information. For this week's episode, we are joined by the Dr. Susan Payrovi. And check out this exciting tidbit. This coming Saturday, Dr. Payrovi will be joining the flock meeting, so you'll have the opportunity to ask her questions in real time. Since we're going to be hearing from Dr. Payrovi today, my gratitude for this episode is for all the doctors and caregivers in our lives who take extra effort to connect with us at the human level. I will dedicate an entire episode to doctor-patient relationships very soon because I believe it matters more than most people may think. For now, as you listen to this first interview, I hope you can feel the love and care and partnership in the conversation. And if you don't yet have a doctor where you feel heard and respected and treated as a human, I encourage you to seek out a second opinion. 
I would have never met Dr. Peyrovi or my stellar neurologist and MS specialist, Dr. Kip at Stanford, had I not sought out a second opinion. I will also say I was not unhappy with my diagnosing neuro. He and his nurse are great people and have helped me a ton on my journey. But when I see them, it's a 20 to 30 minute appointment, and that's just not enough time to cover everything MS or to get to know each other and feel a real sense of care. At Stanford, my appointments are at least an hour, and we go over everything on my list, so I feel completely heard and have every confidence in the care I'm receiving. They also fully support my desire to explore a wide range of treatment options and are frankly more knowledgeable about them. And Dr. Kip is the one that connected me with Dr. Peyrovi in the first place. So, here's to doctors who put patients' needs first and don't believe that a patient asking for a second opinion is in any way doubting their knowledge or their ability. Sometimes we just need more voices in the conversation to figure out what's best for us. All right, so let's get started on today's topic. Doctors get MS too? The power of truly understanding. Today I am joined by Dr. Susan Peyrovi. As I've shared before, Susan helped me get on a much better path toward healing a few years back, and I wanted listeners to get to hear some of her personal story early on, even though she will be a regular guest. What's super exciting is that not only do you get to hear her speak on today's show, but on Saturday, she'll be at the flock meeting. And if you're a member, you'll get to meet her. Without further ado, let's take a listen in on our conversation. Okay, so since this is a podcast about MS, let's start off by having you share a little bit of your story. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, as you know, uh, this has been a life-changing event, and as we always talk with each other, uh, it's been the gift that has actually led us on uh, a very significant and beautiful journey. So what I will tell you is I'll take you back in time with what happened to me. I was uh, practicing anesthesia. I was probably um, four years out of residency. I had just had my first baby. And within a month, I started experiencing uh, weakness of my left hand and my left arm. I remember not being able to zip up a zipper, and I was dropping things. And at the time, I had terrible tenis- ten- tendonitis in my uh, wrists because of uh, lifting that baby up <laughs> all the time. And so I saw many doctors. I saw four neurologists who basically told me there's nothing wrong with me. And one of them even said, it's all in your head. But that really wasn't reassuring. So I, after speaking to a colleague of, colleague of mine, he said, you know, you might have MS. And the moment he spoke those words, I knew he was right. And it was really interesting because as a physician, I couldn't pick up on it because I was too close to the problem. But for an outsider who could you know, he, learn about my story, it was very obvious to him. So anyways, I went to my primary care doctor, got a, uh, an MRI ordered, and there it was. And so within, I think I was probably diagnosed within about maybe 10 months. I mean, it took a while, right? Because I was being very persistent and saying, no, something's wrong with my arm. I can't perform the duties of my job. I'm having trouble. And so that's 
that's how I came to be diagnosed. That's fascinating. Thank you for sharing. You know, it, a lot of people I talk to have a similar experience where it takes several doctors and many months, sometimes years, to get a clear diagnosis. Absolutely. And once I had the diagnosis, as most patients with MS will understand, there, there is a sense of relief where you feel like, okay, now I know what it is, and so what do I do about it? And I'm not gonna say that the first six months to a year were easy. I remember being extremely scared, sad, tearful. Even though I had trained in medicine, it didn't really change the fact that I was now a patient and having to deal with all of the emotions of now having uh, something that is uh, less than perfect health. And so that was the beginning of uh, many uh, months and years of searching for how to take better care of myself because at that point I had a baby and of course all of those thoughts and uncertainties would come into my mind. <clears throat> and um, what was really funny about it was I kept thinking, I'm a doctor, but how come I don't know how to take care of myself? And my husband who was in finance at the time, he was the one who taught me about nutrition and said, maybe we should cut the sugar out and let's eat clean. And that was the beginning of my journey, really, into figuring out how to take care of myself. And so the irony was that even though I was trained in medicine, I really didn't feel that I had the tools to really help improve my health. So that's really helpful to hear um, because I know so many people with MS get really frustrated that their doctors don't have all the answers. And I think it's so powerful to hear from you being a doctor that you still didn't know. There's just so much about MS we still don't understand. So then from, tell us then about your transition. So I could no longer practice anesthesia, uh, something that I had trained four years for. And because I had weakness of my left upper extremity, I couldn't do the procedure. So I had to retrain and I really wasn't sure what to do next. And I had always been doing a little bit of hospice and palliative care on the side because I loved it. And so I did a little bit more of that, but it really didn't feel like that was my long-term career choice. And partially I ended up in, in integrative medicine because I did an internet search one night trying to figure out what are some other areas that I can practice in outside of anesthesiology. And I came upon a conference that I love and adore, and I try to go to, go to this uh, every year. Um, and that was the integrative medicine conference at the AIHM that showed me this big world of uh, all, holistic, non-pharmaceutical medicine and how impactful they could be. And that was really the start of my journey of learning how to take care of myself. It, I learned about nutrition. I learned that I couldn't work 100 hours a week. I learned I had to exercise and that I believed that all those things would help me because in my gut, that made sense. If I could just bring my life back into balance then I could heal and hopefully live a life where I can do all the things that I had envisioned for myself. That's amazing. You know, I, I remember too that time um, not being able to continue coaching teachers and it was so hard and I, I felt in many ways that my sense of purpose in life was really gone 
Um, and it, it took me a while to find my way and to really pivot into something new. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that we have in common. And I'm, I'm just so in awe of uh, the, the apparent ease in which you were able to make that transition and learn to not only help yourself, but to help others. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think what happens with MS is that you sometimes have to reinvent yourself and figure out what's next. And something that I've always really relied on is just following the energy. And maybe that sounds funny coming from a doctor, but I ended up doing integrative medicine. I got interested in acupuncture. So I learned uh, acupuncture and then I got interested in functional medicine. And so one thing led to another. And at the time I probably couldn't see how it was all going to fit together. All I knew is that there was something drawing me to those areas. And now that I look back, it all made perfect sense. And I've created a practice for myself that um, helps lots and lots of people, but it also helps me stay true to what I teach and I make sure that I practice what I teach. And, and so when you were learning all of these things, did you find that they really helped you with symptom management? Oh, absolutely. I would put into practice everything I learned. And very quickly, I realized, well, this is actually what I'm going to practice long term. So I should just create a curriculum around this. How do I teach this to patients? Why are we not teaching patients about healthy habits? Because that is the foundation of health. It's at least 99, 95% of um, the strategy in creating health. So it was a way to help myself, but also a way for me to be of service to others and to bring information to people who could really benefit from it. That's so wonderful. Um, and so one of the ways you've been able to reach more patients is through the courses you offer at Stanford. And I've talked about that on this podcast before about my personal experience taking your course. Can you tell us a little bit about those courses? Who takes them? What is their experience like? What have you learned from teaching those courses? <laughs> sure. Well, the courses are aimed at patients. And while I interface with a lot of MS patients, I see all kinds of patients from fatigue to autoimmunity to cancer, cardiovascular disease, mood disorders. Basically, my patients are very uh, complex chronic uh, diseases, and uh, we work through them sort of at the root level. And what happens in the classes is that, you know, I try to give people education and information, but also a lot of actionable steps that they can in, uh, integrate into their life right away and start seeing changes within sometimes just a few weeks. So it's really beautiful to watch people uh, take something and just run with it. And they come back and tell you that, you know, they've had great success. Sometimes they come and tell you it's been really hard and that's okay too, but it's wonderful to be a part of people's journeys. So I created an eight week class where I call it the, uh, it's called a, uh, Inside Out, Eight Weeks to a Healthier You. And it takes you through all the lifestyle habits. So we will talk about stress management, nutrition, sleep, exercise, toxins. That's a big one that uh, nobody really gets to hear anywhere else. <clears throat> so that's the eight-week class. And then I also teach a lot of sort of standalone classes that are aimed at different conditions. For example, there is the functional medicine approach to autoimmunity. 
functional medicine approach to fatigue, to mood. And so I try to give people an overview of what it is they can start doing on their own, really without the need to go see a specialist. And they can just put those things into practice and um, start working on their health. That's so wonderful. And, and what I love too about your program is that it never felt like um, you wanted me to do this program in place of what my other doctors were telling me to do. It really worked in tandem beautifully. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. So a lot of people have the perception that integrative medicine or holistic medicine is to be used in place of conventional or Western medicine. And I don't really subscribe to that. I think if you really want to improve your health, you need a care team and you need a, doc, a team of doctors that you trust, uh, that are willing to answer your questions and that you feel heard. And it's about bringing together the best of whatever's available, whether it's conventional therapies or lifestyle therapies, because they can all be important. Now, every person's going to have a different care plan. For some people, it may be a combination of conventional and integrative uh, therapies. For others, it's one or the other, and it just really depends. But I think if you can bring together uh, integrative and conventional medicine, you really get a synergy. And that's what it's about. It's about how much work can I do on my own to improve my health? And if there are other conventional therapies that are useful that I'm willing to try, then that is absolutely what you should do. This is a decision that you make with your doctor. And none of the therapies that I talk about really interfere with conventional therapies because what I'm constantly driving home for everybody is gotta eat better got to sleep, got to exercise, got to manage the stress. So it only boosts what you're doing with your uh, neurologist and if you're taking any pharmaceuticals. And it seems like um, people are really successful in your course. I know it was life-changing for me. Do you have a few anecdotes that you'd like to share with us specifically about MS patients and how this program has helped them? So before I actually tell you about some of my favorite anecdotes, I will say that having you in my class actually was one of the main drivers of really turning it into a more robust program. And I'd like to talk about that later. Uh, but as far as my MS patients, one thing I will say is that people with MS are uniquely amazing. Most of them are sweet and kind and they are doers. They are people that care about other people. They're very high functioning and very sophisticated. And so, you know, I am biased. I would say they're among my favorite patients and they never cease to amaze me. Just a few weeks ago, I had a young man who did take my eight week class and he's got a young child and he uh, has been very adamant about not wanting to use medications. He really believed that he could actually make great improvement uh, just by pharmaceutical, for non-pharmaceutical intervention. So mainly lifestyle and the use of a few su supplements. And we've had the talk where I thought, well, no, I really think you should consult with your neurologist. Anyways, what I will tell you is that as I got on a visit, um, video visit with him a few weeks ago, he actually told me he's walking. And I said, would you please show me? And he did. And I saw him walk 
almost perfectly. He also showed me that he could run a few steps. And that was just really beautiful to watch because this young man had the belief that he was going to get better. And every day he worked on it. So he did his part by uh, taking good care of himself. Um, oh, he does a lot of visualization to help himself learn that he's going to walk. He visualizes himself running now. And so that was just amazing. So when you see people make dramatic improvements by working really hard, um, it's really beautiful. Uh, I also have patients that are uh, more, have more advanced MS and they uh, have sometimes run out of pharmaceutical therapies for the treatment of MS, but they're, for example, using medications to help with spasticity and pain. And um, one of my favorite patients um, who's wheelchair bound, she just put into practice a few things we talked about a few supplements, a few natural therapies to help with relaxation of muscles and pain. And she came back and told me that that just made the biggest impact in her quality of life. And, you know, people want to say that I had something to do with that change, but really it's the person putting those things into practice that makes it happen. I find myself, I consider myself as somebody who, just gives information and support and hopes that people can figure out how to incorporate that into their, their life. And when people figure it out, it's really um, amazing. But you know, the, the thing that I love working about working with MS patients is that, you know, people can learn to cope better. They can learn to reimagine their lives and everybody can make progress. Every single person can make progress. And rapid progress too. I mean, I remember taking your course and even before the course was over, I was already experiencing rapid relief of some of my symptoms. Um, I can imagine that as a doctor, that feels pretty awesome to be able to help your patients like that. Um, and yet I, I also agree with you that a patient has to have that learning orientation and that um, belief that they can heal. And it's not that we go to a doctor to fix us. We go to a doctor to help us learn to fix ourselves with their help. So I just, I really appreciate um, our relationship. It's very different from any other doctor-patient relationship I've had. It's a really beautiful thing that you've created. Well, thank you. And what you said is absolutely right on the money. It's not about your doctor or anybody else doing anything for you. It's your life. It's your body. And you are in charge of you. And so you can take control and irregardless of where you are on that continuum of perfect health to very poor health, you will move towards better health if you engage with some simple lifestyle habits. So what are the biggest things then that you've learned from teaching your patients and what has it made you want to do? So what I've learned is that everybody has just huge potential and the partnership between a patient and a practitioner is really important. There's a lot of studies actually on the uh, therapeutic encounter that happens with between a patient and a doctor or other practitioner. So having practitioners around you that you know and trust and love is really important. Uh, I've learned that people who have strong beliefs, who exhibit tenacity 
end up doing things that I never imagined they can. And I have learned to never have limitations on what somebody can actually accomplish because I have seen people far outlive their cancer prognosis. I saw this other young man walk the other day perfectly. So I don't put anything past anybody. And the things that are important is first and foremost, getting information that's reliable, effective, evidence-based, and then having the support to put it into practice. Habit building is hard. You are often trying to break habits that you have formed and practiced throughout your entire life. And I remember as a patient where I had to change my diet, go to bed early. Yeah, it was really, really hard, but it took time and it took somewhere on the order of six months to a few years before I wasn't really thinking about them as things I had to do. They were just habits and second nature. So I think when people are allowed to think about their condition as something that is potentially reversible, it's really powerful because all of a sudden they have permission to heal. They have permission to do all kinds of things that maybe they didn't think was possible for them. So for me as a practitioner, I really enjoy having those conversations and talking to people about what's possible. That's so exciting. And I know just from taking your course that, um, I mean, it, it certainly changed my life and changed my trajectory um, and my relationship with MS. Um, before I took your class, I wasn't too thrilled with what had come my way. Um, but now I'm truly able to look back and see it as a gift. After taking your class, however, I was, I was so changed by it that I also felt really uncomfortable that I had had this incredible privilege of accessing this class and meeting you. And when I started meeting a lot of people around the country and the world with MS, I realized how rare that was for me to have access to someone like you. And I remember talking to you about that pretty early on and you had some ideas about expanding your course. Uh, talk about where you're at with that right now. You know, I struggle with that as well. Uh, I am burdened by this thought of, you know, I wish I could share this with everybody because having access to information, having access to care, um, those are human rights, I think. And it is. it really bothered me that I couldn't reach enough people. And that was actually the impetus for me to create the course because then I could reach more people rather than having these conversations one-on-one. -on -one. And so now I teach uh, many different classes and so I can reach a greater number of people uh, and people you know, in my practice will sign up for all different kinds of classes that pertain to them. And so it ends up becoming a very self-directed process and people can always email me when they have questions regarding their, you know, what they've learned in class or something that pertains to them. So I try to stay in touch with people in that manner but it's still not enough because I am only reaching the people that come to my clinic and I want to do more. I want to reach anybody who wants to be reached. So uh, I had been contemplating a project for years where I would take uh, my classes and put them into an online platform where anybody with an internet connection could come to this site and figure out how to go through the different modules in a self-directed matter 
uh, and figure out how to get the information that they need, but we would also support them with uh, lots of uh, in instructional materials. And it wasn't until I talked to you about this where the, the project sort of evolved into creating support spaces where people can come together and support one another. I, I had spoken to you about how to improve my classes. And one thing you said was about the power of community. And you made, planted the idea that I should try to uh, create that in my classes. And so what has happened is that in the first week of my class, I will say people, you are more than welcome to join a uh, face WhatsApp group with each other, exchange numbers, exchange email addresses so that you guys can kind of hold each other's hands and help each other because I'm not always available. And so people have been doing that. And just a few weeks ago, a patient came to me and said, oh, our cohort of, um, you know, the class that we took, we're, we all had dinner at somebody's house yesterday or so-and-so had an event and we all went or we go on walks together. We've gone out to healthy restaurants together and nothing makes me more um, excited than to hear that people have shifted from relying on uh, a practitioner like me to just taking this information and running with it. That's so beautiful. And then they have a community of people that are like-minded, working on the same thing, supporting one another through change. And that's, that's just so powerful. And those changes that they're making are so much more likely to become routine for life because they have that extra support. Right. And what I'll also add to that is a lot of people are not surrounded by friends or family who are on a health journey they are not so motivated maybe to change their habits. And so this one person who's trying to improve their life or, and their health isn't being supported. So when you come to a class where there are other people on their own health journeys, it doesn't matter if it's MS or cancer or something else, because all of the therapies that I talk about help uh, improve health at the root cause level. So they uh, pertain to everybody. And so when people form these groups and everybody is focused on health, it makes a powerful impact and people help each other. They exchange recipes. They talk about different ways of exercising. I mean, it's just really, I think, where um, the future of uh, health and medicine is headed. I hope so. That's great. So currently you're a physician at Stanford and you talked about wanting to build a platform to get your course out to other people. Um, we've been working on this and the project has really given me a renewed sense of purpose. And so if you could talk a little bit about how that's been for you and what you're most excited about, maybe your hopes and dreams, what it will accomplish. I am super excited about this project because it's been on my mind for years and I couldn't get it to take off on my own. I just needed other brains on the project. And now with you and Anne-Marie, it's really coming together. And I am so excited to see how many people we can reach and how we can help people and support people to work on their health. Uh, I think it's going to be really wonderful because it's going to be self-directed. It's going to be cost-effective. It's really what people I think need to be supported to make those changes. And I uh, get very excited when I get to see people reach their potential. 
That's so exciting. And I will say, uh, even though technology has been a big part of my life as an educator, this has been quite a process for uh, slightly untechy folks like us. And, and it's often humorous. And we have a good time at our meetings. Um, we try to take these challenges in stride. Do you have a funny story that comes to mind about technology or about the development of this project? Uh, there's so many. I remember when we were first trying to have meetings uh, over video, we couldn't figure out how to all get on the same meeting. We couldn't figure out where the links were. We didn't know how to use Google Drive. I mean, it was a mess. And sometimes my brother would be on these calls trying to help us somebody with more uh, technology skills. And he would just say like, why can't you guys just like learn how to set up a meeting? Like, why is it so hard? And we've gotten so much better. We actually run a pretty tight ship now, but it took some time. And you know, that those are skills that don't come easily to me. I only learn technology for what I need to do. I don't enjoy uh, playing around with technology. Um, but you know, technology is a necessary part of our lives. And if you want to get things done, you've got to just learn it. And so I used to, I think, always joke my, that I, I can't even figure out how to like restart my computer, but I'm trying to build a, uh, a tech um, project where, you know, a lot of technology is going to come together for education. And my brother would just laugh and he would just say, well, maybe you could just stop calling me when you can't turn on your computer and it's because it's unplugged. Um, and that's actually happened. That's a true story. So uh, we've just, we've learned so much. We've just had to reimagine ourselves as people who can learn about technology. And we have learned that we need to ask the right people since we can't obviously master everything. We need to be good at seeking out information. For sure. And now one aspect of your vision for this project that we haven't talked about yet that I think is really fascinating, and I can't wait down the road when we're able to bring this to fruition, uh, but you mentioned a vision of ultimately helping doctors learn more too about autoimmunity and just a wider range of care options. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So right now, integrative medicine, functional medicine sort of fall outside the realm of conventional medicine. A lot of doctors will have to go do additional training and it's a big commitment. It's a few years to do. It's two years to do integrative medicine. It's two years to do functional medicine. So a lot of people don't have the time or the interest to really do it in that super robust manner. So why is it that we require people to have to sign up for these lengthy project programs? It is very easy to learn how to uh, help patients manage their health by working on nutrition, sleep, exercise, toxins, by just giving doctors very simple tools, very simple talking points, and they can start putting that into practice right away. And here's the thing, a lot of doctors are experiencing a lot of burnout. It is really stressful practicing medicine in this day and age. What I hear about my counterparts that are maybe 30 years older is that they were much better compensated, they had way less paperwork, and now we as physicians have to do billing, we have to do very lengthy notes, uh, we are asked to see way too many patients um, in one day, and so burnout is very real. And one thing that I will say is that when you can start really interacting with patients in a different way, where it's not so much talking about what medications can I give you for your symptoms, but what is it in your life that needs attention? 
What is that thing that we need to focus on to really heal you? Those are the conversations that really help me feel rejuvenated and feel connected to my patients. Uh, so, you know, it takes training and it takes some patience to learn that process, but anybody can do it who's been working with patients. And so if we can bring these integrative approaches into conventional medicine, I think we'll have happier doctors and we'll have um, happier and healthier patients. That sounds so great. So recently you launched a Facebook page. How can people find you and connect with you there? Right. So I was thinking about this for a long time. And of course, I couldn't figure out what was the right platform. And I just thought, well, the only one I know how to use is Facebook. So let's just do Facebook. Uh, I think you can go under Susan Perovi, MD, and access my page there. I have only put up just a few posts to start with. And my goal is to... Uh, put information there that I think is uh, important to health, that is relevant, that is safe, uh, and it'll add something to the reader's life when they interact with it. So it's not something I'm going to be keeping up regularly every week, but as information that's interesting comes to me, I will post it there. Great, and I imagine you would not have capacity to interact with people through messaging and whatnot. Um, but it will be just used as a place to really post helpful information, correct? Yes, unfortunately, I won't uh, be monitoring comments and uh, responding. Now, if someone wanted to try to book an appointment with you at Stanford, how would they go about doing that? Well, you would just call our clinic. It's the Center for Integrative Medicine at Stanford. And when you call, they will tell you that you'll need to take a class first. I require everybody to take a class because that's where you're going to really hear what it is that I want every patient to hear. And it takes somewhere between an hour and a half to two hours to talk about all of the important things I want to discuss. So uh, it's a much better use of our time to do a class up front. And then if that's enough for you, great. Then you just take it and run with it. Uh, the other option is to have a one-on-one -on -one appointment. So after you have attended a class, uh, you can schedule a one-on-one. -on -one. However, uh, my schedule is pretty full. And so one of the reasons I really did go to the class format also was to be able to reach more people rather than having everybody wait six months or more to get a one-on-one -on -one appointment. So we're in the process of developing this website. Um, do you think that some people should maybe wait or what would you tell someone who was interested in learning more? Obviously they can listen to the podcast and learn some of your teachings, um, but what would you say to someone who's eager but maybe doesn't have the proximity to Stanford to see you? Well, um, by the way, I should also mention for now we are doing Zoom visits. So as long as you're in California, you're able to attend those classes. But um, there are a lot of wonderful resources, books, websites that are put out by people from the functional medicine world that are really wonderful and going to give you very much the same information that uh, I cover in my classes. And once our project is launched, hopefully that will be your go-to place for gaining health, uh, gaining health information. 
And we're hoping to pilot early with specifically MS folks. So stay tuned for more on that. Yes, we are biased. We love MS patients. So I, I tell people, well, two thirds of my team has MS. So uh, it was only natural for us to want to really uh, work with this community. Absolutely. It seems like a very logical place to start, especially since we both know from experience how successful the program is. It's helped both of us tremendously. Absolutely. So what would be the three most important pieces of advice that you would give someone living with MS that really wants to heal? So three pieces of advice. I would say, first and foremost, you have to have the right set of beliefs. I can tell you from personal experience, I think that's what has kept me healthy. I imagined that I was going to live a healthy life and I was going to be able to accomplish all of the things I wanted to accomplish. And I kept that in my mind and I every day work towards that. So having the right kinds of beliefs is really important. It is far more important than any other supplement or medication that you can get your hands on. Um, and also having a community around you that can reinforce those beliefs is really, really important. Um, and then the other things that are really important, I would just lump it number two into lifestyle habits. You know, people have this idea that they can come to integrative medicine or functional medicine and grab 30 supplements and they can just optimize their health that way. And it doesn't work that way. It's really truly about lifestyle change, having good habits um, that's going to carry you very far. Those are going to be the tools that are going to give you long term success. And then I would say, you know, I'm not a big, per big supplements person, but if I had to pick two, I would say fish oil or omega-3 and vitamin D. Super important. Great. Thank you. Um, anything else you'd like to say to listeners who are living with MS and wanting to learn to live better? Sure. So, um, you know, in talking about having the right kind of beliefs, I also think it's really, really important to live in joy, to do the things that make you happy, to do the things that make your heart beat and want you to um, do good for yourself and for others. I think a lot of people fall into this rut of becoming a patient and everything about them becomes sort of centered on, well, what medication do I take? What's the supplement? And that's not a very joyful place to be. Your diagnosis is just one dimension of you. There are so many other dimensions. And so don't forget about uh, working and living in those parts that actually help you grow, thrive, and um, move forward towards the things that you love. Mic drop. Nothing to add to that. Thank you so much for being here today and for sharing so openly your story and your advice. Um, and from me personally, thank you for all you've done to help me rediscover joy in my life and um, live a life I am happy with and proud of. So thank you, Susan. Well, I can't think of any other comment that could make a doctor happier than that. And it's been uh, an honor to know you and to learn from you 
And I'm so excited for what we can bring to people with our project. Excellent. And I do hope that you'll consider being a somewhat regular visitor on our podcast and also at our flocking events. Oh, I can't wait. Great. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk again soon. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Peyrovi. I'd like you to think for a moment. Do you have conversations like that with your current doctors? Do you have a doctor like that in your existing flock? If yes, take a moment to smile and bask in that feeling of warmth and care. Be grateful. Maybe even think about ways you could express your gratitude to them so they know just how much their level of care means to you and how much you value their perspective, knowledge, and guidance. On the other hand, if you're finding yourself at the other end of the spectrum where you don't have any current caregivers that make you feel so loved and understood, or that you don't look forward to seeing in appointments, marinate on this. How are those relationships helping you get better? In my opinion, they're probably not, or at least not as effectively as a doctor you have a great relationship with. So where are some places you could look so that you do have a doctor like this in your flock? Is there a way you could open more doors to healing by seeking a second opinion from other physicians? We are responsible for building our care teams. We are the lead bird in our flock most of the time. When we take responsibility for building our flock to intentionally surround ourselves with a flock of helpful, caring, and knowledgeable people, that's how we harness the power of others and truly kickstart our healing journey. Following this and every weekly podcast, I offer interactive Zoom sessions for our Patreon listeners to discuss the episode's topic with other members of the flock. I hope you will join us. Become a patron on patreon.com slash msflock for the Zoom session schedule and invitation links. Membership is only $1 a month to access these important weekly flockings, and you'll also gain even more access to great content like relevant show notes and resources, and the opportunity to be the first to learn about and participate in our MS pilot of our health website. Join us next week, where we'll continue to look at mindset and more deeply explore our ability to change our mindset and better manage our stressors. Feel free to submit questions, comments, or future podcast topics or guest ideas to mymsflock at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next week, be thinking about how you can better develop your growth mindset to further fuel your healing, and think about your current doctors and support providers. Do you have someone in your existing flock like Dr. Peyrovi? If not, could you? I look forward to chatting with the flock about this. And remember, Dr. Peyrovi will be there with us this Saturday. It's going to be a great discussion. <coughs> Lastly, as we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it and with flying colors if we're flying together supporting one another. Thank you for listening. Until next time, be well. <coughs>